You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. From Spagnolo and Stafford loses the football. Knocked away by Jason Pierre-Paul. And it looks like the Giants had it. And they do. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan. The best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump, and I am alone today. I am not with the cranky fan who is off doing something uh, very important and unexpected. Um, however, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Just Giants and you will find our ugly mugs. And uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter as well. I am at football underscore grump and he is at the cranky fan where you can find all things giants and for him a lot of florida gator stuff as well and tampa bay rays and new york knicks and every other miserable franchise there is today we're going to continue our draft breakdown uh free agency breakdown a little bit too but mostly draft breakdown as we head into this uh you know often talked about speculated in time of the year where we we really really analyze uh to the hundredth of a second some kids coming out of college and uh you know i do think that there's over analysis that goes on um for me the combine does not tend to help people much unless there's a specific thing that we're looking from them such as adding weight adding strength you know within in the bench press scenario um you know what what the combine really does for me more often than not is it hurts people they interview poorly they have a much slower than advertised you know shuttle run um or they come in overweight um you know so a lot of uh, a lot of the combine means very little to me um when guys test average or just above average it's it's not that it means nothing is that it's just okay um i don't think people really help themselves too much with their combine a lot of times these guys come in and they have these superb combines and they still end up being next to nothing i mean byron jones who is defensive back for the cowboys now had some outstanding defensive backs combine and he's just whatever i mean i think he made the pro bowl this year but i mean it's also some bullshit right there i I don't think he's that good he's not a name that comes off the the tongue when you think about impressive defensive backs around the league but regardless we're not talking about defensive backs today we're talking about defensive linemen so there is a hot debate on what the Giants should do with their number six pick in the draft. Obviously, the big pick is quarterback because you're picking high enough to get somebody worth it. Um, And uh, there's not too many teams in front of them that need a quarterback. So, you know, that's that's certainly a thing. But the defense was so bad and lacked a pass rush last year and the year before that and the decade before that. and specifically, when you think about the Giants' lack of pass rush, when I really, really started to think about the last time the Giants had a ferocious pass rush, what it's been missing over the years has been a speed rusher, an OC Umanura. I mean, Justin Tuck is a you know a strength guy, strong against the run, can rush from the inside really well, quick first step. I mean, none of these guys are slow. Justin Tuck does not 
become a speed rusher. Has a speed rush, but is not a speed rusher. Jason Pierre-Paul, good combo, right in the mix. Good length, can play the run really well. Can use a lot of speed to get around the edge. But, um, you know, again, not a guy who is purely a speed rusher. It's O.C. Yumanura that comes to mind as the last real speed rusher. And uh, fans love him or hate him for his lack of run support because he often can run himself out of a gap, etc. But, I mean, I don't need to go through the legacy of OCU Mnura and all the plays he's had. I mean, the Giants don't get to the 2011 playoffs, perhaps, without his strip sack of Aaron Rodgers in the divisional game. Um, He had a wide-open receiver in the end zone. You know... I don't need to go through the accolades of OCU Manura. The point is, is that you can't really name a good speed rusher this team has had. And, you know, Olivier Vernon was supposed to come with some speed and he, he has somebody's a little bit more balanced than that. Uh, you know, and, you know, overall has been kind of a disappointment for Giants fans for the price tag he incurred. Nevertheless, this is an incredibly deep defensive line draft, which is why this is so hotly contested. Do the Giants take a quarterback with one-year experience, whether that be Murray or Haskins, reach on a guy like Locke or Greer or whatever, or do they take one of these stud defensive linemen to help a terrible defensive line? Now, there's a really difficult – it's hard in a 3-4 to break down – pass rushers you know so what i've done is i did the best i could to take the top tier guys on the interior so guys who play along the line you know nose tackle three technique five technique in the three four and i separated them out from guys who just rush from the edge now some of those edge guys are probably going to be considered outside linebackers it's all in who you ask and it's all in what you want to do with them honestly uh, so I'm sorry if this list seems a little bizarre for you, but it is what it is. I did the best I could. So let's start with the interior defensive line. This is a spot where the Giants are not particularly weak. Um, they, in the third round, found a gem in BJ Hill out of NC State. He's been outstanding, had a great rookie year. Dalvin Tomlinson in his second year was nondescript, but... Still very good. Not really pass rusher, but really been that big run stuffer. So much so that they felt comfortable in trading away Snacks Harrison. Um, That is endorsement enough. And, you know, uh, another guy that Giants fans aren't really crazy about because he was a free agent acquisition. But Kareem Martin, you know, not much of a pass rusher, but great against the run. Really sets the edge well playing that sort of outside linebacker slash defensive end position. It's always going to be a little bit of a mix, especially with, you know, James Betcher's defense. So those are your three solid starters there. And I think the backups include, you know, RJ McIntosh, fifth round pick from Miami last year. Is your interior three techniques? I hate to say speed guy, but you know, they're quick rusher from the inside. Uh, Avery Moss, Two years ago, sixth round pick, more of a defensive end. And then two guys none of you have heard of, Miles Humphreys and Jack Karezna. Doesn't matter. The point I'm making here is that while this team has three solid starters in BJ Hill, Dalvin Tomlinson, and Kareem Martin, what they lack is depth. And beyond that, 
Dalvin Tomlinson offers very little as a pass rusher, which is where RJ McIntosh sort of comes in. I, I, I think that there is, and, and RJ McIntosh is a fifth round pick. I mean, there is a need, I mean, n- not high in the list of needs, but there is a need for the Giants to take an interior guard, maybe who has more quickness consistently and stops the run well that, you know, you can kind of pair up with BJ Hill in different situations, you know, throw down on the line in, in, you know, against certain teams, against certain lines. And let's not forget Kareem Martin. He's like a three-year bandaid, uh, good player. He's okay. He's good against run, but I mean, they can stand to upgrade the defensive end spot with Kareem Martin. Now, I'm going to break these down into the groups that I think that they're in. Now, when I say that, I mean the tiers. Now, tier one, the Giants have a shot at maybe two of these guys. And uh, tier one for me starts with Quinn and Williams from Alabama. This is the guy that probably is out of reach, most likely is out of reach for the Giants at six. Nevertheless, should he fall, it's worth knowing what you have. And what you have is 6'3", 305-pound athletic freak. Um, incredibly young still. He's he's super quick. He has the ability to fire through gaps. And by firing through gaps, that involves strength. I mean, you just kind of you get into that gap, and then you burst through it. You blast through there. You get guys off balance. Um, he has a very developed swim move and good strength. And he consistently commanded double and triple teams and was still effective for Alabama. Where would the, I mean, this guy would essentially make Dalvin Tomlinson a full-time nose tackle. Uh, He's going to be a force in the league for, for his entire career, barring some kind of debilitating injury. Quinn Williams is a, just not a natural human being. Now, I followed that up with Dexter Lawrence. Now, just because I listed this tier in this order doesn't mean that they're in this order, in my opinion. You know, they they may be further apart, close together, where maybe it doesn't matter. But Dexter Lawrence from Clemson. Now, I should preface this by saying Clemson had basically an NFL defensive front. Now, what that means is that they're all very talented in their own way, but it's difficult to judge their uh, their tape because they're getting help from all over the place. There's very few offensive lines in college that can deal with the amount of pressure that Clemson can bring. And even from the second level with Blitzes, they have a great defensive coordinator and head coach. So Dexter Lawrence for me is not the best of the front seven for Clemson, but might be the best interior guy. He's 6'4", 340. He's not very quick or speedy, but he has solid instincts. He can shoot through gaps, recognize screens. He's just not very consistent. But he's 340 pounds. Are you kidding me? Big boy will walk linemen into the backfield and clog up double teams. In addition to all that, he's incredibly versatile. Of all the Clemson defensive you know, front seven guys, he's the one who played all over the defensive line. Just moved around, found a weakness, found, you know, a spot that they could exploit and would do it. Whenever you have a versatile guy, you have something of value. You can move him into Dalvin Tomlinson's spot. Should Dalvin Tomlinson get hurt, you've got a guy that can go right in there. You know, you but he doesn't have to be in there. He can play next to Tomlinson. He can play next to BJ Hill. He can play on the end. I mean, he has. 
which is bizarre for a guy his size, but it is what it is. Following that is Ed Oliver out of Houston. <clears throat> Ed Oliver came into this season with all the hype of going first, and it was Quinn and Williams' slow rise of excellent tape, and Ed Oliver's kind of, I guess you would say subpar tape. It's hard to put an adjective like that to it, but you know, it just wasn't as good as Quinn and Williams. He also decided that he should sit out the rest of the season, which is not a debate that I'm going to have on this show. But we're going to debate how good he is. 6'2", 285, that's great size. Um, he's lightning fast off the snap. I mean, that that is his trait. He lives in the backfield, and he gets there quickly. You know, he uses speed and quickness and leverage to bully linemen into the backfield. But he doesn't really have any other rush. I mean, it's really just that speed. He just, he's real quick, gets his hands up, and then he just charges his feet, right? Um, You know, he's he's not very strong. You know, even at 285, it just, he, he wins with getting ahead of steam and busting right in with that first punch. But that lack of strength really starts to show against double teams. So where Ed Oliver would fit here would probably be next to B.J. Hill, Dalvin Tomlinson. You know, let them clog things up because he can't be the one commanding double teams. And if he is, then that's, you know, all the better to let a guy like B.J. Hill overwhelm or a Dalvin Tomlinson to clog shit up in the middle. Um Obvious pass rushdowns, you know, anytime you want to bring pressure, Ed Oliver is your guy. Another guy that, you know, despite tape and all that other nonsense, is going to have a good career in the NFL. Now, as we move out of this upper tier one, these these top 10 guys, we start moving into the middle group of where I would say round one ends. So everywhere from like... I don't know, pick 15 to 32. And in no particular order, they are Christian Wilkins, Rashawn Gary, and Jeffrey Simmons. Um, Christian Wilkins, another guy from Clemson, 6'3", 315. Big guy. Um, he's got good speed for the inside, and you know he can be a lot to handle for guards, which is what you want. Um, he has the ability to shoot gaps, swim through linemen, He's got decent strength to stalemate, and he tends to wear down guards throughout the game. Um, he puts consistent pressure, I would say, uh, on, on the pocket in, in the middle. I, I don't know that he really had the numbers to back that up, but if you watch the tape, it's just he holds that middle, preventing quarterbacks from stepping up in the pocket. You know, again, this is a little bit difficult to tell because Clemson has such a good front seven. They have guys f- swarming from all over. Um, Rashawn Gary, uh, Michigan Wolverine, 6'4", 275. I'm not sure what to make of Rashawn Gary. He might be the most frustrating player to watch because he will put something great on tape and follow it up with five plays and nothing. But what I will say is he's fast off the snap and in space i would say he's probably wild raw sometimes indecisive you know when when the stars align he looks like a devastator but he needs work he's got to figure out how to be more consistent 
In addition to that, at 275, I mean, he can get bullied by double teams. He has the speed to break them um, if he if he gets coached up. You know, he can he can bust through gaps before the double team really commences on him. But he's got to get coached up to get his instincts in order. Um, I would say the best way to describe Rashawn Gary is that he's a raw piece of clay, just waiting to be molded. And I don't think that his skill set was really utilized in Michigan. I mean, it didn't really look like they turned him loose all that much. Um, you know, a lot of setting the edge and that sort of thing, which he's good at. But I think his skill set allows him to be more of a devastator than that. I'm going to talk about Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State for a little bit. Let's start with the on the field stuff first. This is important. You know, it's six four three hundred. He's got decent speed off the snap. He's not overly twitchy. Um, you know, he was the victim of a lot of double teams and, you know, he, he can get out leveraged in one-on-ones, but he has the ability to split defenders very well. Um, he has, when he has the proper leverage, I think he, he does really well. He's not the kind of guy who can out muscle with bad leverage, but here, here's where the, the bad news starts hitting. He's got off the field issues. Um, there, there's infamous tape of him in a street fight you know that that looks bad for anybody and once there's tape of it it's always worse than just you know an arrest or you know reports of this and that and the other thing but uh i I mean coaches you know people that know him they all speak highly of him that helps but it's there's no walking back from the tape it's it's just too hard on top of that in training for the combine he tore his acl so it's when when I when I put him in this tier, I'm going based on what I saw in the field, what he can be. Would he be drafted in this spot with these guys? Probably not. Maybe it's possible. It wouldn't be out of the question for somebody to do that, but you know, these two things combined are are not a good combo for him. Now we're going to move on to uh, tier three, and these guys are day two picks, second and third round. And again, no particular. Well, this one has probably a more particular order. I, you know, as you start to get further back, you start to see guys separate themselves. There's bigger gaps in between them, but they are Jerry Tillery, Chris Slayton, Kalen Saunders, and Zach Allen. So first off, Jerry Tillery from Notre Dame. We're we're kind of stringing a theme together here. There's another character guy though. Let's start with on the field. 6'6", 295. Here's what I see. You know, sometimes productive, you know, he he doesn't have the same tape that, you know, Quinnen Williams has where he just busts through and, you know, the, the SEC linemen of all world potential struggle with him. But what I do see, he's extremely quick off the snap. He's a fighter. He's throwing hands. And that's important for me. You know, it, it's, I feel like hand fighting is one of the undercoached thing in, in college. A lot of guys that – maybe that's not true. Let me let me say it this way. Something not often looked at in draft prep. You know, you get these top-tier guys. They're elite height, weight, length. And when I watch tape of some of these guys, and I mean the day two guys, there's, they have the elite height, weight – it's just them being fast and throwing their body weight into offensive linemen. And when it works, it works one out of 
15 times, 10 times, they get a sack. The other times they get, you know, it just becomes a mess. And that's okay. It's still good. But hand fighting, to me, the way you can, you know, slap away block and then use your strength and power and speed to get around or through a block is is something that really... I mean, because you can add weight and strength once you get into an NFL program. Jerry Tillery is a fighter. He plays with a fast first punch. He wins a lot of hand fights. He's disruptive. Now, in the NFL, you don't have to get sacks. You have to free up the other guys. I mean, how often do we talk about J.J. Watt being washed out of a game for a little bit? I mean, shit, the Giants beat the Texans this year. You know, he's he's not overly strong. But he can hold his ground, but it's all in his hand placement. It's in his leverage. He's able to win these things. Jerry Tillery would be a solid round two pick. Here's the problem. He comes with serious character red flags. Um, nothing you know, specific that I've heard, but just reports that he's a bad teammate. He's got a bad attitude. I don't know the Giants can afford to take this kind of pick on him. Um, on the field stuff alone, though, to me, would be a huge help in the interior. And even even on the end, if they if they were to throw him there, we're gonna follow that up with Chris Slayton from Syracuse. Now I know our Tom Coughlin Syracuse drafting days are pretty much over, but I was I was pretty surprised by uh, Slayton. 6'4", 310, again, another guy, fast and disruptive. He usually gets his hands on first. He plays low. He plays disciplined. He wins a lot of his one-on-ones. I mean, there's not much more you can ask for. He splits gaps. He can use speed to get in the backfield. You know, he's not the kind of guy who's going to possess elite strength, but when he does get double-teamed, he can stalemate them. I mean, at least the college level. Again, you know, with some NFL coaching, he could be able to do this at the NFL level as well. And what I liked about him is that he continually played better as the year went on, and then he played well at the East-West Shrine. So this is a guy who's not just his stock is rising, but he's getting better, and it shows that he takes to coaching. This is another guy that come... it. I would say where the Giants are picking right now in round two... Not really a great pick, but if for some reason they're in round three, they trade up or they trade things around, they have a third round pick, and he's there, not bad. Um, Kalen Saunders. This guy is out of Western Illinois, which is, you know, it's difficult to get good tape of him, but six feet, 325. Big dude. Reminds me of Snacks. He's surprisingly fast for his size, which is what I mean by that, you know. He can shoot gaps and swim, but he also tracks down screens and QBs. I mean, that's that's snacks to a T. He's strong and he plays with good leverage. He can stand up linemen with arm strength alone. But what, what pisses me off is he tends to underuse his legs. If he used his legs, we would have been talking about Kalen Saunders for a while now. What, what, what I mean by underusing his legs is with arm strength, he can, even with bad leverage, can can hold his own grab a dude stalemate him or you can shove him aside when he has good leverage especially he can kind of lift guys up and push him but what if he just drove his legs into these 
as if he were the one blocking, he would be walking linemen back like they were puppy dogs. He's that big and that strong. It just and he would even be able to do it with double teams. Uh, so there's work to be done there, but this would be a guy who could again sub in for Dalvin Tomlinson if needed. And then let's talk about Zach Allen from Boston College, six four, two eighty. You know, I I was underwhelmed. I I thought you know I've heard great things about Zach Allen. Boston College did not have a terrible year, but I didn't find him quick or twitchy. He's got an okay swim move. He can chuck Lyman out of his way, and he sets the edge pretty well. But he struggles a bit with double teams. He's just doesn't offer much as a pass rusher. He's good in the. It, to me, it just reminds me too much of what we already have in Kareem Martin. Now, if you're looking for a depth guy who can replace Kareem Martin, spell him, you know, just be a run support guy, not bad. But I wouldn't take him even even in day two. I would say if he's there for one of the fourth round picks, perhaps. Now, with that, we can move on to the edge rushers, which I know everybody else wants to hear. The Giants' defensive line is not bad. Um, you know, like I said, lacking depth. You know, maybe you want to upgrade from Kareem Martin, but it's not a situation where you're like, God, this is the source of the problems. No, it's the pass rush, and the pass rush coming from the outside that's really been a problem. You know, Olivier Vernon is a good player. I mean, he's getting paid a lot of money to be just a good player, and more importantly to Giants fans, he's not really on the field, and that's the big problem. His backup, and I, I use backup kind of in quotes, I expect a bigger role for him here. You know, he may play as a bookend to Olivier Vernon, but right now he he's not a three-down starter, but it's Lorenzo Carter, a guy I loved last year, was banging the table for, and I'm super glad that he fell to the third round and everybody else is stupid for not picking him. He played well. He played he, he played significant time much sooner than I anticipated. They need another Lorenzo Carter. And this is where the, the draft class really shines. So I'm going to do the same thing where I tear up these guys and I put them in some order. Now, to start off, I will say this first tier is in a specific order. Not only that, I would say this first tier has two top five guys. Maybe all three are top five guys. Maybe. Definitely all top ten. The order is Nick Bosa, Josh Allen, Cleveland Farrell. Nick Bosa from Ohio State, 6'3", 265, little brother of Joey Bosa. This guy is all world. I mean, he's going, he's, I, I won't say J.J. Watt, but he's a day one starter, a day one disruptor, a problem. 6'3", 265, he's athletic, strong, he has elite quickness and speed. He's another guy, like I said, that's hand fight. I mean, you just watch him and he's just all arms and legs coming at you like an octopus. He, he might as well be wearing boxing gloves. Um, he's got a developed pass rush with both speed and strength, inside, outside. He's disruptive, a playmaker. He's always in the backfield. He's always around the ball. You know, in addition to that, I think he holds the edge well. He plays alert. He doesn't get fooled. He's smart. Nick Bosa should be going first overall. What actually happens, you know, I, I'm not sure, but whoever gets Nick Bosa gets a day one starter. And, uh, I mean, you, you'd hope that any first overall is day one starter. 
you'd hope that your first round pick is a day one starter, but you know what I mean? I mean, a, a guy to build around, um, deserving of that first spot. Following up with that is Josh Allen from Kentucky. And it's, it's kind of a good thing that cranky fan isn't here because he'd be fuming at the very name of Josh Allen because of the game he had against Florida. And, and Josh Allen is going to be one of those guys that falls into the like, eh, he's more of an outside linebacker. Yeah, okay, I get it. But he's he's also a rusher. 6'5", 260, he's long, athletic, strong, fast. He's outstanding coming off the edge with speed. In addition to that, yes, like an outside linebacker, he drops into coverage pretty well. He sets, his key, sets the edge pretty well, and he reads his keys really well. The biggest thing for Josh Allen is that he could have came out last year, and instead he decided to stay, and it was a very smart decision. He, he will be – the leap he took from junior to senior year is ridiculous. Um, I think he still needs to develop his hand fighting a bit. He's still kind of just throwing his weight into linemen with speed. But – I think, again, this is another guy who's like a day one star. He's going to go in there and just fuck shit up. Um, In addition to that, and this is sort of, you know, important, I would think, to the Giants organization, but he's reported to be a high-character guy, a good teammate. Again, this is a guy who could have made money last year and stayed at Kentucky. Um, You know, whether that had anything to do with selfish reasons of getting better, being a higher draft pick, is sort of whatever. I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of these guys take the money right away which is fine. Um, following up with that is Cleveland Farrell, and this is the guy who could slip out of the top five, <clears throat> which means the Giants could get him. Cleveland Farrell is a guy I've been watching for the last three years. He's a starter as a freshman in the national championship. Starter, I think. If not, played 65 70% of snaps. Incredible. 6'4", 265 is a freak. Freak. To be, he was he had the size to play as a freshman. He's got perfect size and shape for what you want as a, as a pass rusher. He's very disciplined in the run game. He's capable of coverage in the flat and against screens, you know, and even rotating to the the middle of the field for crossing routes, things like that. He's incredibly strong to fight through block, blockers. Got a good bull rush. He, he, I wouldn't say he's a fast pass rusher, a speed guy, but he's he's quick. He gets that quick first two steps and plows into people. And, you know, he's got a good inside move as well as an outside move. He even has a pretty developed spin move. Um, his whole pass rush arsenal is pretty developed. This is a guy, when I say that he was a freshman and was on national championship, he was a guy I was watching the national championship for enjoyment. And 99 just kept popping out to me. Like, Cleveland Farrell, oh my God. Guy's ridiculous. And, you know, back then he was a little bit lighter. He was a little bit worse against the run. He had a more developed pass rush. Um, uh, not more developed, more splashy pass rush, I would say. And he's kind of lost a little of that as he's become a little bit more well-rounded, but that doesn't at all take away from what he is and how good he is. Now we're going to pop into that Tier 2 thing. This can range anywhere from Top 10 like nine all the way down to I would say the end of the first round again. And this is kind of where I wish cranky fan were here. Uh, Ja'Kai polite from Florida. 
Brian Burns, Florida State, Montez Sweat, Mississippi State. Ja'Kai Polite was right up there, I think, with Cleveland Farrell up until this week, probably. Um, you know, unlike Cleveland Farrell, he's 6'2", 260. He does not have the ideal length or height. But he makes up for the lack of length with tenacity and athleticism. He's a fighter, scrappy. He's disruptive. I mean, I hate to keep using the same adjectives, but it is what it is. He's the kind of guy who goes in there and he just fights and wins. He grinds, he wins. You know, he's around the ball. He hits the quarterback in the backfield even if he doesn't get there in time. He hits running backs right away. And again, he played on a good defense, more so with a better secondary, I think, than pass rush, but it certainly helps. But, you know, he's fast off the edge. He's a guy with, with a quick first four steps, I would say. Um, he's got good bend, which is really important coming around the edge. You know, you get those first two two steps, you've got to bend underneath to get around the corner. And bend is bend is important because it's something that you can't really teach too much. I mean, it's something you have to work on with your body to, uh, you know, it, it's it's flexibility and balance. Uh, it's not easy to develop. It takes a lot of time, and that's why guys coming out of college that already have bend, it's a huge advantage. Uh, Jakaipolite has bend, which is important. What what hurt polite was. He didn't interview well at the combine, and this is what I was saying about the combine for me doesn't really help too much, but it does hurt. Um, Reportedly, he complained. I think the quote was one of the best interviews he had was with the Baltimore Ravens because, quote, they were the one team that didn't rip my tape. What you'd want out of a guy coming out of college is a guy who wants to get better, who wants to see what he did wrong on tape get called out for it and, and and learn to fix it. You know, you want him to say, yeah, I know I did that. I've been working to fix it. You know, the tape is the tape. If they think that you didn't do well, you're not going to change their mind by arguing with them. So, you know, he appeared overly sensitive. He, um, you know, it, it's more than one team that, that reported that he did not interview well. And that really honestly dropped him, I think, in a lot of teams' eyes from – being a potential top 10 down to maybe 15 or 20. And, and that's a significant drop, you know, for, for teams looking for a pass rusher. The next two guys, they're sort of similar in, in ways in that they're the same kind of rusher and they're both weak in different areas. So I don't really have them in a particular order. Um, one had the better combine and workout. One kind of has, I don't know. I'm not really sure which one really has better tape. One has more consistent tape. So we'll start with the more consistent Montez Sweat from Mississippi State. 6'5", 260. He's long and fast. And uh, fast is really what it is. Here's the problem. What I was saying about Bent. He doesn't have it. Um, he, he's, he's just stiff as a board. He can play too high up and therefore kind of get bullied around because he has bad leverage. Um but he does set the edge well. He plays the run decently. Like I said, he's fast. He can get around the corner pretty well. But he's got to totally blow the tackle or tight end or running back, whoever's trying to block him, out of the water because he doesn't bend well around the edge. Um, 
I also think that his hand fight is just okay, and I don't think that he's very strong. You know, so I think he doesn't really fight through blocks. He kind of fights around them, and I think when he gets engaged in a block, he struggles to get disengaged. So he kind of gets wiped out. Um, however, he had some insane combines, so some team is going to fall in love with him and think that they can work with him. Not that they can't, but I think that he's a bigger project than a lot of teams realize. Or, I don't know. I say teams loosely. A lot of scouts maybe realize. Um, Brian Burns, on the other hand, from Florida State, 6'5", 230. Too light. Way too light. Um, he plays with probably the best bend I think I've ever seen. Um and with the same kind of lightning fast speed, he can become that strip sack specialist off the edge like O.C. Uvenura. Um The problem is, is that he's raw as shit. Uh, he, he plays without instincts all the time. He's, he's constantly in any sort of RPO offense where he's supposed to be reading keys. He kind of takes two steps and stands around clueless, not really sure what he's supposed to be looking at and where he's looking. Um you know that that's a big problem but it's something you can coach up as long as he's not a dummy so it comes down to the interviews and the combine and things like that the other thing is obviously at 230 pounds he's and at 65 no less so a lot of that's height he's not strong enough he's going to need at least 15 pounds of muscle and probably more of functional weight um he still manages to draw some double teams based on his speed alone but those double teams are going to be a tight end and a tackle or you know, maybe a tight end and a running back. Those are not your big-time blockers. You want the double teams to be the guard and the tackle, the big bodies, the movers. You want them to be wasting their time and their energy on your one guy. Not not the, not the two, you know. Of course, it helps to have a tight end and a running back staying in the backfield instead of running routes, but if you're going to draw a double team, that's not what you want. And a lot of what Brian Burns is going to end up being is going to come down to his effort, his ability to learn, and the coaching situation that he's drafted into. So overall, I think Brian Burns has a much higher ceiling, but the inconsistencies are all over the tape. As we slide into my last tier here, there's a guy who I think stands out so much from that last tier that he's in a tier of his own. I think that he is the upper second round guy, so I kind of just popped him alone. And that's uh, DeAndre Walker from Georgia, which ironically, he replaced Lorenzo Carter when the Giants drafted him. Um, he's 6'2", 250. It's not ideal. Um, and he's another guy who plays a lot more linebacker than he does, you know, on the line pass rushing. But he plays essentially the same position that Lorenzo Carter did. And that's the position that we're talking about. So shut up. I think that he could stand to add weight but specifically lower body strength you know he's got he's got skinnier legs and i think that he can get bullied around a little bit especially when he doesn't have you know elite length he's only six two but he does play with decent instincts in the run game he comes from a good defensive program at georgia um of all the guys i've talked about and i'm going to talk about going forward he's the most polished in pass coverage among them uh, he's he's incredibly fast. He's very quick, and uh, more than, more important than that is that he already plays with good leverage and good hand placement. You know, it, it's important because when that's already developed, it comes. 
the rest comes pretty easy. This the the little things that you develop from there. Um, but but like I said, he's definitely too light. Um, while he does willingly take on blockers, he tends to win those fights mainly by getting a full head of steam first. So he'll maybe do a stunt from the outside in and kind of you know get his legs churning first, build up some steam, and just barrel into somebody with good leverage. But if he plays down on the line and he engages right away, he's going to get walked all over. So he's got to he's got to a not play on the line, and b he's got to add some lower body strength specifically. Following up that third tier, the guys who are going to be a little bit further down are Carl Granderson, O'Shane Zimenez, and um, Jalen Ferguson. So these guys, I have them in a specific order, but. It's kind of close. I'm not really high on many of them. Um, but we'll start with Carl Granderson because I have him the highest on the list of those three. Um, Carl Granderson's from Wyoming, 6'4", 255. I think that he's long and quick with good speed. Um, I like the raw traits that he has. Um, I will say he plays with inconsistent leverage. Sometimes he's just, I don't know if he's lazy or just worn down, you know, taking plays off or if he's just... Wyoming, not very well known for their great football, but, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's just a product of him being on the field too much, but, and, and constantly drawing the attention of the offense, but, you know, at times he starts to stand up a little bit too much and certainly doesn't have the strength to overwhelm with bad leverage. Um, I think he can add strength and weight because he can get tossed around when he's too high. His hand fighting is present, but I would say raw and underdeveloped. Um, but he did did get asked to drop into coverage uh, pretty often for this group of guys, and he, I think he looks pretty good in zone coverage, whether that be in the flat against screens or you know against crossing routes over the middle, the, the shallow middle. Um, Granderson is definitely a guy that you can work with. He will... I don't want to say the same as Lorenzo Carter because I think he's worse than that, but... He can develop into be, I think he can develop into what Lorenzo Carter is now, a rotational pass rusher, another body to throw out there with some speed, something for them to account for while your more developed guys take advantage of one-on-ones. I think that's kind of what you want at the time that you'd be drafting him, which is uh, day two, probably. Um, these guys all have the potential to slip into day three, that, that high day three round four shit. Um, Following him is O'Shane Zimenez. Not super high on him. I don't know what Mel Kuyper sees in him that I don't, but I, I mean, he's okay. So O'Shane Zimenez played for Old Dominion, 6'3", 255. Again, not great length. It's okay. Um, I think he plays the run well. Yeah, I think he has decent instincts. Uh, I think that he has some good speed around the, on the, around the edge, but he doesn't, he doesn't have that great bend though. I like talking about so much, apparently. Um, I think he needs to add some strength. And uh, I don't think that he has the length to make up for his lighter weight and his bad leverage. And in fact, in the NFL, I don't think that you're there are many guys who can get away with bad leverage. So anytime I mention leverage and say it's inconsistent or bad, that means it's got to get worked on because you're going to lose. Um my biggest thing with him is that when he gets double teamed, he totally disappears. I mean, he's literally walked out of the play. 
and that just can't happen. I mean, if you lose, you lose, but to to vanish on every double team is bad. Uh, you know, ideally you'd want to win or or stalemate them, and I just I just didn't see it with him. So, what can he be? Yeah, another guy you can throw out there, and you know maybe you can develop him. I mean, like I said, he's a little bit raw. It's, he didn't come from a giant program at Old Dominion, but whatever. And the last one is Jalen Ferguson from Louisiana Tech. I've seen really wild bullshit reports where he's sneaking into the first round. No way is that happening. Um, 6'4", 255. I think he look looks indecisive at times, especially when he's trying to read his keys. Uh, you know, he does have a quick first step, but he's not overly fast. I think his leverage is inconsistent. Um, you know, he could definitely be effective when he's low, but... You know, he's, his his bend is just okay. He's really more the problem is that I don't think he's fast enough to get around the edge for the bend to even be worth it. I mean, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to have something help him set that up, like a stunt. You know, where he comes from the inside out and then he is able to bend underneath it. But I I, I just don't know. I don't. I also don't think he's strong enough. I think he can. Add, I think he can get there with some functional weight and muscle, but. He's another guy who gets eliminated by double teams. It's just not something I want to see. I don't I don't understand where the first round, etc. buzz is with him. But there you go. Uh, you know, we can debate till we are all blue in the face over quarterback defense, but both need to be upgraded very soon. And this is a deep draft. You can make the argument that you wait until your second round pick to pick a defensive end or outside linebacker because there's so many. Uh, uh that's a fair argument. So it all depends on who's sitting there. You know, if Nick Bosa fell to six for some bizarro reason, I really don't think I care what quarterback is sitting there. But it is what it is. These are the guys that um, I really thought stood out and I watched a bunch of tape on. But I want to know what you think. So reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump. We'll be back next week where we're going to start talking about another position group, which is probably one that people aren't going to be that much interested in because it's running backs. But that's okay. Um, It'll give us time to collect and for Cranky Fan to maybe weigh in on this. I'm sure he's going to have a thing or two to say about Polite, maybe even Josh Allen. I don't know. But... Catch us next week um, on iTunes and SoundCloud. This is Just Giants Podcast with Grump without the cranky fan. Uh, Again, I'm at football underscore Grump. The podcast Twitter is at Just Giants Pod. And you can follow the cranky fan also at at the cranky fan. And uh, go Giants.